Broadcasting to you live from beautiful Crystal Lake Studios in Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jets fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris. Michael, what's up, man? What's up, everybody? How's it going? What's going on, Mike? Happy to see you. And we don't have Sammy with us. We don't have Nick with us. We do have a very special guest, though, to help us chop up about the 2023 team, how they kind of stack up historically against the 1998 team, the 2010 team. I want to welcome SNY analyst and former New York Jet Chad Cascadden to the show. Chad, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm stuck in my car. I couldn't find a safe place, so I figured I'd do this in my car. Thanks for having me on the show. We really appreciate it, man. And so, Chad, a little background about me. I've had season tickets while well, my dad did when I was younger gone to every jet game since I'm six so your season in 1998 which probably statistically your best year so all those games yeah we really appreciate it man and um so Chad a little background about me I've had and you're come up kind of as being a walk on there at Wisconsin undrafted guy with the Jets I just know you had a lot of Jets fans rooting for you when you were on the squad on um, that 98 year was a great year. I want to ask you if you don't mind getting super specific right off the bat here about 98. Insofar as your career goes, um, you had that big sack on Dan Marino, which is just such a great play that year. And I wanted to ask you, I'm sure Jet fans bring it up to you a lot. Was that play, and I'm sorry to get so specific right off the bat here, but was that play for you the most memorable one of your career? And was that year, I know statistically it was great, but was that year the most fun you had in the pros as well? Oh, well. You know, specific to that play, that was probably the play that everyone remembers me for because it was in an important time of the game when Miami was driving, right? And we had had all these turnovers back and forth, back and forth, and they were down by less than a touchdown. And here they are, fourth quarter, a couple minutes left. They're driving down, and it's like, oh, my God, again? Marino again exactly and he's gonna go down he's gonna score we're gonna lose this freaking game (laughs) and you know know, that whole game I hadn't really put a lot of pressure on Marino because in the game previous to that in New York we got after Marino and I think we sacked him maybe three or or four times and we had the offensive lines number we did a great job and so Marino was taking quick stop, quick drops, three, five-step drops. He was getting rid of the ball. So we weren't getting any pressure on him whatsoever. And so thankfully, Belichick called an inside move. The, the only time he called an inside move on that whole game. And so I was able to come on a, a inside stunt, you know, call it a, a lucky stunt. You know, lucky, lucky meaning left. I mean, it's not, you know, rocket science. You know, we're not out there, you know, curing cancer. 
So I came in a, on a loop, and thankfully the center blocked down and gave me a straight shot at Marino, which then gave Ernie Logan a shot to sort of knock the ball out of his arm. And thankfully I was there to pick the ball up and run it in. I remember it being as hot. Oh, it was so hot down there. And I'm wearing long sleeves. Don't ask me why. But I was. <laughs> and I just remember coming off the field and I was, that was the most tired that I've ever been in a game. It was just, it was in the high 80s, 90s. It was as humid as I've ever played in. And it was just one of those crazy games where when you look back at it now, you go, wow, that, that was sort of the game that got the monkey off our back from that yeah. 1994 fake spike game. Oh, yeah. Ever since that fake spike game, everybody felt like that Marino had our number. And I think that game with that play gave fans the sense of, hey, we finally got the monkey off our back with these goddamn Miami Dolphins. It's so funny, Chad, it's so funny you say that. That loop you just connected when I thought about all this. That is how, that's exactly how fans felt. You just explained it. It's the fake spike. I know Aaron Glenn, probably one of the worst plays of his career right there, that fake spike. I watched that happen right in front of me. Yeah, and that nobody was, saw that coming. Nobody, I'm not, I'm not blaming Aaron Glenn. Nobody had ever done that before. Yeah, never happened in the history of the NFL. Um, and so I'm not going to blame Aaron Glenn. It's just unfortunately, he was the guy that got burned on that play. But when you pick the ball up, that's the time. Me and my dad, it's one of the main bonding elements of my life is the New York Jets. I have five or six moments. And surprisingly enough, that's one of them, Chad, is me and my dad running around the living room when he picked that ball up. So um, that meant so much to Jets fans. That was a great play. And that year, 98, I mean, you played, you had a good year that year. I mean, you played really well that year, your best statistical year. Um, was that year a blast? 98, I guess it's a dumb, dumb question, but it just seems like the way the momentum picked up and how much the city was behind the Jets, it just seemed like a great time to be playing off for the Jets that year. Well, if you remember, the beginning of the 98 season actually didn't start off that great. Yeah, Glenn Foley, yeah, with the injury. With, and, and look, I love Glenn. I thought yeah. Glenn was a fantastic quarterback, but we yeah. were two and three yeah. after the fifth game, and it didn't look like things were going as well as we had planned. And then when Vinny stepped in, and the offense started clicking and we got the balance between the running game and the passing game and the old line did a really nice job of both creating some room for curtis to run but then also giving vinny some time to get the ball out and then of course you know we had um we had a great offensive coordinator with charlie wise coming up with oh, some yeah. unique play calls and designs and then on defense look we just had a bunch of dudes that knew how to play Belichick's defense. And, you know, as the season went on, we started switching even at halftime. We would go from a 3-4 defense to a 4-3 defense to a sub-package defense. And we would run – sometimes we'd run all our blitzes. <coughs> sometimes we would run, you know, eight-man drop. It, we changed things up so much. So when you see and go back and look at it for Jets fans, you can see the progression of the team starting to learn how to win. And I think in that 98 season, the reason why people love that season so much is you saw a team come together and you saw a team get better as the year went on. We came closer as teammates. And when we finally got into the playoffs, you know, we had a really, really nice game at home against Jacksonville, which really pump the, you know, the, the ticket season holders up. And then that last game, unfortunately, in Denver, you know, the offense just couldn't seem to get it going. 
I yeah. thought the defense, I thought we played about as good as we could. Yep. yep. Special teams were a little bit of an issue due to the wind and the temperature. Yep. But, you know, look, I still fondly look back at that season and, and say, you know, that was probably my best season. And I thought that was the Jets' best chance to win a Super Bowl that I've ever seen. Not taking anything away from that 2010 season, but man, we were good. We yeah. were a really, really good team. Yeah, you guys were. You guys were, and that—that's kind of why we got you here. And the discussion we really want to have. We know that um, that team, and I'm—I'm I'm putting up the graphics here. The '98 uh, New York Jets compared to the 2010 team. These two teams went to the last AFC. Uh, championships, losing to the Broncos, losing to the Steelers. Looking yeah. at the 98 team, you know, you guys were fifth overall in pass, uh, overall in offense, fourth in passing, 13 in rushing, fifth in points. And then you look at the 2010 team, they were 11th. They weren't in the but top Looking 10, at what the New York Jets um, have done this But as you look and then compare that do to the you defensive side, that this the defense, team, I'm just going to go straight out uh, and say it, can number three close to what you guys did in 98 number seven and what you guys look like the more balanced team. Absolutely. It will depend uh, and, on and, and a couple of things, team. right? Just, just so high level looking at these one thing that I so always, let me ask I played you, Chad, for this. Wisconsin, so I got to see the transformation of a, of a program that had been in the doldrums for a number of years. And I, I watched our progression of becoming the doormat of the Big Ten to ultimately Rose Bowl champions. And one of the things that stood out to me when I was at Wisconsin was the difference that the offensive line made. And so the offensive line in 98, while you had Kevin Mawai, who's clearly in the Hall of Fame as one of the great centers the Jets have had, and you built around him and you had Jumbo Elliott at tackle, you had Berger and O'Dwyer at the guards who were just lunch pail, slugfest guys, and then you had Jason Fabini at right tackle. We called him Fat Beanie as a uh, nickname. <laughs> but, and, but he was solid, man. He was good. And they did a really nice job of giving you both run and pass it. And I think for the Jets coming up, you know, the offensive line's been a problem, and they have been trying to address it. I will give Douglas credit. He is trying to address it. He's got Mackay Becton. He brought in Tomlinson. He's got AVB. He's got, you know what? I like this kid from Wisconsin. No, you know, no coincidence. This guy, yeah. Matt, I'm telling you, you've yeah. never seen a guy like this. This guy's 6'6". Yeah. This is a monster, monster. kid. McGovern's got yeah. his work cut out for him. And then you've got Dwayne Brown, who, you know, look, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. I like, I'll tell you what. I got to speak with Tomlinson last year. And I like him. He is he is a pro's pro. And if you put him and Becton together, and Becton has shown that he got serious about losing weight. He's getting he's healthy. I'm telling you, you put Tomlinson next to him, it's gonna be devastating. <laughs> and if they can and so well, you know, with Rodgers now at quarterback, everybody thinks it's gonna be this incredible passing offense which I think it will be, but I think you're going to see a whole lot more running and play action than you think you are because yeah. they got a good line. And look, with Brees Hall coming back, who I thought would have won rookie of the year last year had he stayed healthy. Yep. 
uh, and backed up with Carter. And then they drafted another kid. I'm sorry, I'm, he's escaped. Abanacanda, yeah, from Pittsburgh. Hey, look, I, they've got good running backs. They've got good receivers, and they got good tight ends. There's no sure. reason why this offense shouldn't work now that you've got Aaron Rodgers there. It's got to take some time to figure out the, you know, the, the momentum and everything else. Yeah. But they've got a shot at being huh. good. And when you have a good offense, you know what happens? Your defense gets pretty good too. Yes. Now we're not on the field anymore, you know, and now we can breathe and we're off on the sidelines watching yep. the game as opposed to recovering from the game. Yep. And it's funny how it works. And it's really a it's it's a time possession game. And you can look back, and I did. I look back at the time of possession in all the games that we lost in '98, mm-hmm. and that the team and that the 2010 team lost. And any time that they had less than 30 minutes of, of time of possession, it was typically a loss. Yeah, that makes so sense. So you need to have an offense that is balanced. And yeah. I know that it's the rage, this old West Coast thing, and motion this and motion that. I actually think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers tap that down a little bit. I think you're going to see him static uh, setups, maybe some motion. But the reason why you have motion in the NFL is to see what the defense is doing. Aaron knows what you're doing. He's seen it already. <laughs> yeah. He knows where you're going. So yeah. to compare, you know, I I think this offense has a chance to be as good as the 98 team. Oh, and boy. then on defense, and I don't know if you want to get into defense right now or not, but it's a different defense. You know, this is a this is a 4-3 defensive end heavy Four hand, you know, four on the ground, and yeah. go. Yeah. Whereas our defense, when we played in '98, was a much more linebacker-based yeah. defense. And what's interesting, and we can probably call up that sheet at some point. You had Mo Lewis, Pepper Johnson, and Brian Cox. What you didn't have on there was you didn't have James Barrier. You didn't yeah. have you didn't have Marvin Jones. You didn't have Dwayne Gordon, and yeah. you didn't have me. I can't, I can't, I mean, how can you not have me on there? I mean, well, here's the thing. We, we wanted to surprise you because we made you your own graphic. And that's coming. <laughs> Just so you know, and that's what you We have this really sort of dude up. <laughs> and I did, I did say to Mike, um, James Farrier, and it's like, I know he had a great career with the Steelers. He kind of gets forgotten about his years there with the Jets, man. Really good player and a great linebacker. You had a great year. That is, to me, I mean, we're going to go through these units real quick in a minute. That was the deepest linebacker core of any of these teams. Oh, 2000. Yeah. This current roster is not, and I hate, I don't want to criticize this. It's not really no, that, that's their, team there's a weak. Yeah, if there's a weakness on this team, it's that linebacker. And I, I think it's by design. Absolutely. I think that they they feel that they don't need to in today's game with sub packages and things of that sort. They'd yeah. rather have a middle line, a couple of middle linebackers, a couple of well linebackers, and then a bunch of kind of sort of like <laughs> safeties where. Exactly. You know, you kind of got the 6'2", 220, 225, maybe 230 guy that's got range that can cover line, cover a tight end or a re, uh, running back out of the backfield yep. who's not predominantly a pass rusher. And, you know, because a lot of guys go, you know, three wide right out the game. Yep. When I played, it was 21 personnel. It was fullback lead eye option, yep. you know, and everybody had neck rolls. Because that's what it was. Yes, I now, guys barely wear fucking spider pads. They're barely wearing pads. Yeah. It's ridiculous. 
And that that was the look back. That neck roll is just still such a badass look for any football. I don't care what anybody says. I know I'm 42, but that, that, that to me is how a football player is supposed to look in my mind, especially linebackers. And when I saw your, I think it was your tops card from 95, I think you had the neck roll on, looking tremendous, chap. I'm going to ask you I one did. more question. One yeah, more question. One more question, then we'll get into these units real quick. Last year, when, uh, well, the previous year, 2022, Jets hit a home run with the draft. We know offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Even other guys like uh, Clemens and Jermaine Johnson and Max Mitchell all played well. Last year, the, the draft got kind of mixed reviews, but the first round pick definitely was polarizing just because it seems like we have a lot of good players already on the defensive line, and then we yeah. took another lineman at 15. Where did you land on that when we grabbed him? Now, if, if, he's, if the ceiling is what they think, obviously it's a home run, but just considering how many good players we already have, at that position, did you think they maybe should have went a different direction? Yeah, well, I think, and if we look back at it, and I, I, I hope I'm correct, I think the Jets were about to grab an offensive tackle at that pick, and I think it was the Steelers who jumped in front of them and took that offensive lineman. I might be incorrect in saying no, you're that. correct. Yeah, Broderick Jones. Yeah, Broderick Jones. Yeah, that's yep. who they wanted. So yep. here they are. Now they're stuck. They're like, shh. God damn it. Okay. The next best guy on the list, that was their guy. And look, I didn't know a thing about him. And I'm like, wow, that feels like a reach. Let me go and take a look at the film. Maybe I don't, maybe, maybe there's something there I don't see. And look, there's, you can never have enough good pass rushers. That's personally how I feel. And so it gives them a chance to get another young guy who's kind of rangy, who, who knows how to put his hand on the ground, who knows how to get off the ball, who's got some speed and quickness, and he's he's twitchy on the edge. And let me tell you what, if he's half of what people say he is, mm-hmm. that's worth the pick. Right. That's what I want to hear. That's, that's... There's a good defensive uh, end or someone on the edge that can really test that uh, edge. Is I mean, it's quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, Yep. Shut down corner. Those are the four people that you need to have. And if you've got a shutdown corner <clears throat> in Sauce, yep. you got the quarterback in Rodgers, you wanted the old tackle, but he got taken by the Steelers. So the next one you grab, an edge rusher. Now, look, they might they might go into camp and see this kid play. They might go, hey, Carl Lawson, love you, but we can't pay you that much. That's too yeah. much. Yeah, it's yeah. to me that's kind of what I'm looking at is with Johnson, that kid, and a cut, and on and the other guys with Franklin and Michael Clemens, all these other yeah. guys. It just might be an insurance policy for the Jets that yeah. if and when they need to let go of Carl Lawson because he's getting paid too much, that they can do that. Now, will they do that? I don't think so. Yeah, and will they re-sign Quinn and Williams? Yes. Yeah, of course. The man deserves to be paid. He's probably one of your best players on the team, minus Aaron Rodgers. You know, and he just changes things for the defense. Yeah. He is he is a game changer. So that's you know that's sort of how I'm feeling right now with that first pick. But like anything in the first round, it, especially from a place like Iowa State. But by the way, look how many guys out of Iowa came in the first round. Detroit took two guys from Iowa. Then the Jets took a guy from Iowa State. Yep. I mean, Iowa had 
I mean, the state of Iowa, not Iowa. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the state of Iowa had uh, a piece in the first round. It's incredible. A bunch of corn fans. <laughs> and it seems like uh, I'm sure you're a big fan of the second round pick, Big Joe Titman. I wanted to ask you, do you, I mean, from everything I read, normally you see a guy that massive and that strong. What I like to read, usually in conjunction with that, I should say, you don't normally see a guy also be that intelligent. And a lot of what I read before the draft, and you might know much better than me if you're following the Badgers as closely as you probably do, he seems like he's sharp as a tack, this kid. So that's usually a position not easy to play when you're in your first year center. But do you think he has a chance to push McGovern here in the preseason, maybe start week one? Or is that just ridiculous for me to say that? It would not surprise me one bit if he was day one opening starter. Would not wow. surprise me. He is in a pro-style offense at Wisconsin. He is nice. directing traffic. Wisconsin is very well known for running the ball. So he is an absolute bulldozer. He is a slaughterhouse. He gets his hands on you. You're not getting away. Yes. So now you got a guy who who could possibly be that 10-year guy at center who's calling the offensive line calls. And <clears throat> it's not like he's stepping into a situation where it's going to be completely complicated and he's never done it before. It's not. And yeah. he's got Aaron Rodgers behind him who's going to help him out. And Aaron's going to tell him what he wants to hear, what he wants to see, and how he wants him to hike the ball, and how he wants his cadence to be. Because these are all things people don't really talk about, is all these little tiny nuances that go on during a football game. And when you're out there trying to get uh, some continuity and some pace to the, the game is, how does Aaron Rodgers like his ball delivered? Does he like the ball mm -hmm. tilted? Does he like mm -hmm. the ball sideways? How does he like the ball to come out in a shotgun? How fast does he like it to come out? Does he like it firm? Does he like it soft? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, there's all these little nuances that you'll start to learn. And and he's been in a system where he did that. So he is a plug and play, in my mind, a plug and play day one starter. That's, That's great, what man. I want to hear. Yeah. That's what I want to hear. He's, and he's big. And he's strong. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't look like it. You look at him and you're like, oh, he looks like just kind of like a, a big teenager. And then you see <laughs> yeah. him and you're like, Dude, he's six six three oh five. You know how big, and he's not fat. He's just yeah. big. Yeah, it's 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 an, and centers aren't typically that tall. You know, centers yeah. are typically six three, six four. Yeah. That's normal. Six six. Yeah, I mean he's he's big, and so and for that size, when they showed his tape when he got drafted and he was pulling on some of these runs, I was like, and for to be that big and move that fast. I mean, that's a combo you want. I think Jet fans are happy to hear that, that he's going to be mauling people this year, and hopefully Becton's healthy too. We have two monsters on the offensive line. Uh, we're going to get into some of these units in a second. We joked around a little bit, me and Mike, that you know some of our fans are under 20 years old. So when we talk about 1998, that predates their, even their existence. I cannot believe that's 25 years ago, Mike, which is totally insane. Mike put together a little video package just to remind some of these little young bucks what 1998 was all about. Mike, why don't you throw that on right now? The 1998 New York football Jets. AFC East Division champions, coached by legendary Hall of Famer Bill Parcells, who led the New York Jet organization to a 12-4 record amassing 5,715 yards and 45 touchdowns. This team was quarterbacked by Vinny Testaverde, who completed 61% of, of his passes for 3,256 yards, 29 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions for a quarterback rating of 101.6. Coming in for Glenn Foley in the beginning of the season, Vinny was throwing to receivers like Keyshawn Johnson, 1,131 yards, 10 touchdowns, 
who was complimented also by my favorite Martin Curtis. 1,287 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. Hall of Fame running back, which came from the New England Patriots to the New York Jets. The other receiver, Wayne Corbett, 67.7 catch percentage for 1,083 yards, eight touchdowns with 9.4 yards per target. This team offensively was one of the best in the National Football League, ranked sixth overall on defense, led by pro bowlers Mo Lewis and Aaron Glenn at cornerback. This defense was ranked second out of 30 on points against, with averaging just nine yards allowed per attempt. This team was fourth in interceptions, led by Aaron Glenn with six interceptions. The New York Jets would make the playoffs and host the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC Division game. The New York Jets would win against the Jaguars and go to the AFC Championship. But this was one of the greatest highlights of the and look at Nobody blocks him. Marino goes, he sees him goes by, and then he steps up. Ernie Logan also gets a hit, but Cascadden stays with it, picks up the ball, gets a touchdown. In the first three quarters of this game, we did not have a turnover. We have had four in the fourth quarter, and Chad Cascadden with the biggest play of his four-year career, a 22-yard fumble return. <laughs> Little young buck right there, Chad. If you yeah, pick that ball up, less gray hair than I did today. <laughs> <laughs> if you pick that ball up right now, how fast do you think you make it down the field? <laughs> oh no 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 no! I haven't shifted down into that gear in twenty plus years. That gear does not exist anymore. I am not pulling a hamstring or an Achilles. No, no, eh, eh. I don't do that. I walk. I get on the treadmill. I put it at fifteen degrees, and I walk three miles per hour. That's like what Chad does. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't, I'm not sprinting. Now I have four sons. My oldest son, he plays lacrosse at Cornell. He's the starting faceoff X. He's built like he's a better oh, wow. version of me. He's actually wow. he's 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 six three, two twenty, and he can run. Uh, and my other kids are all very good at lacrosse, and they all can run. Not as fast as me, but pretty fast. <laughs> they <can> still run. <laughs> but I'm in. Uh, they they challenged me to a running contest one time. I ran about ten yards, and I went no, nope, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't do this anymore. I am not killing myself. But you're retired. Uh, you ran enough to get in the NFL, and that you could hang them up after that. You're good, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I'm that- good. I'm good. And you know, look, we had, like we were talking about earlier. You know, we had that linebacking crew, and we were we were fighting for playing time on that team because we yeah. were running all these sub packages and all these different things. I was very yeah. fortunate because Belichick was using me much like you'll see sort of the flex linebackers of today. So back when I played, I was 6'2", 235. I ran a 4'4", 640. I was very quick, very fast, and I was not drafted. Well, if you take a look at linebackers nowadays, 
the linebackers that are drafted in the first round, if you look at them, how are they built? 6'2", 235, and they run a 4'5", because that's today's game. So I was a little bit ahead of the curve, and thankfully I had a guy like Belichick who was able to take me and put me in positions on his defense that allowed my strengths, my speed and quickness, to be utilized and my and my ability to come off the edge and my ability to cover out of the backfield. And so we had a really, really flexible group of linebackers that could all play different positions on any game and any game and any day. And it was really confusing for the offense. And so Belichick did a really nice job of putting that together. I, I know exactly what you mean. And that's what I want to get into with the linebacking core. Mike, when I dug in to the stats um, for Chad's team in the 1998 linebacking core, the team had 36 sacks that year. They had 19 of them. The linebacker core. You had five, Chad. You had seven for Mo Lewis, six for Brian Cox. Pepper Johnson threw him with one. So more than 50% of the sacks um, that year on the squad came from the linebacking core, like you said. And everyone else pitched in other ways, too, when it came to the run game and stuff. But when you look at – when we're trying to compare and we're looking at this year's group, I mean, there's really no comparison to your group in, in 2000 – excuse me, in uh, 1998. I think 2010 might be a bit better comparison, but still – in 2010, Mike, you got the PFF up there right now. That unit is still probably better. And Chad mentioned this earlier. I think when it comes to the linebacking group, when I look at the defense, I'm little the safeties at least to me on paper look a little shaky, and then the linebacking core also. Yeah, um, I, Chad, I I just say this, you know, the depth that you guys had on the '98 team, I don't think they do. Nobody can replace that. No, you no couldn't do that today. There's no way. No, you can't. But, but you couldn't but, do that today. It's, it's it's just it's there's too many. No, you couldn't do that. And the reason why you couldn't do that is because the re, the reason why Cox was there is because Marvin Jones got hurt. So we needed to replace Marvin Jones, unfortunately. And Cox had just come had just gotten released, and so he was available. And we had also the year before we had drafted Farrier, and and Farrier to his credit, he was playing out of position. He was playing an edge kind of a Sam, or which is over tight end, or a Jack or open rush linebacker on the other side, open it. He really wasn't an edge linebacker. He's yeah. more of a 4-3 will bubble linebacker where yeah. he could roam and run and hit, hit holes and make tackles, which is exactly what he did at Pittsburgh. And that's why he succeeded at Pittsburgh because that's the defense that he thrived in. He didn't do that at the Jets. I was more suited for that position to, to be opposite of Mo Lewis in that in that three four and play on the open end and rush the passer. Now, what's interesting about the sack stat that we have is while the sacks were good on our team, we really didn't focus on sacks. We focused on pressure. Yeah. We really felt getting pressure on the quarterback was more important than just the sack itself. And I'd love to see the stat of how many pressures we had on quarterbacks. I don't know if there, if, if that's even available. It's not yeah, over the 98. It's, it's, we tried it's, to get it. Yeah, we did. But <laughs> well, it's, I'll it's tell a, you what. But what's interesting is, and this is a Belichick thing too, is anytime it was third and six, most often we're bringing five guys. We're bringing pressure because he, he figured out that on third down, if he brought five guys, that gave the quarterback – a second and a half to get rid of the ball. Mm. And that only allowed the receiver to get off the ball and in his route about three to four yards. And he figured 
that if the quarterback's throwing the ball, the guy catches it at four yards, you tackle him at five yards, it's now fourth and one, and you have to punt. That's yeah. how specific Belichick was when he ran his stuff. And so yeah. that's that that's that old saying, just do your job and we'll win. That's what he meant. That's how specific he would get with his defenses. And that 98 defense, you know, if you look at the D-line of the 98 defense, it wasn't spectacular as far mm -hmm. as numbers go, but they did their job so well because it was all three tech. It's all two technique yep. over the center and the two tackles. So they did a great job. Ernie Logan, Anthony Pleasant, Jason Ferguson, Rick Lyle. They yep. did a great job, even though the well, stats don't show it. Yeah, well, hey, just like we were talking about uh, the depth of this team, you know, you got Mo Lewis, who was a, a pro bowler, Pepper Johnson, Brian Cox, and then they had Mr. There Chad Pascal. <laughs> yeah, 21 deal. tackles. And I, I actually, and I missed three games that year because I, I yeah. pulled my hamstring. 13 uh, games. And, and I was out, yeah, I was out for three games. But going back to the linebacking core of this year's uh, squad, it's I'll be honest, it's a little scary. Yeah. Because if C.J. Mosley goes down, who do they got at middle linebacker? I don't know. Can, yeah. can, can Quincy Williams come over and play? I don't know. Is even Sherwood a decent enough weak linebacker? I don't know. And I don't even know why he's got a PFF ranking of 79. That seems I, a little high for him. Yeah, he um, didn't play much, but, you know, PFF ranked him at that based on the plays that he had. But, yes, you're yeah, right. He only had, know. you know, 15 total tackles, 12 solos. So, um, we'll see what he does. That's a game and a half. That's, you know, that's a game <laughs> and a half for most yeah. guys at that position. Yeah. That weak true. linebacker in a 4-3 th defense, if you're not making 10 tackles a game, something's wrong. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You should make so, 10 tackles a game at weak linebacker. And at strong linebacker, you might make three to five. That's about as yeah. many as you'll make. So yeah. that concerns me because if guys get hurt, that's going to be a real problem. Yeah. And I don't know if they have solutions for that yet. I just don't know. Yeah, I keep seeing uh, Quan Alexander. He tweets at the Jets. I think he wants yeah. the Jets to bring him back, which is I like which. That. I mean, he didn't. He he played for what we asked him to do. He had seventy tackles last year, and he was playing. Like you know, him. yeah, I thought he played well last year, and he's fast. And he wasn't that bad in coverage. Hard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked him last year, too. When it comes to that D-line from 1998, you mentioned it. Ernie Logan, I mean, unless you're our age, you might not remember, but really good against the run. Anthony Pleasant, a really good veteran. I think he had six sacks that year. Um, yeah. there, you go. Yeah, there you go, Mike. I'm sorry. You got the stats I set right him now. up for two of them, I know. There you go. See? You don't forget those. <laughs> and Rick Lyle, I mean, Jason Ferguson, too. He's a guy that some of the younger Jets fans might not remember. Played for the Jets. Had a long career in the NFL. Played for the Jets, I think, seven years. Um, he's only 24 then, man, but that guy was good against the run, and he would get some sacks every year. Um, yeah. But I think when you – I think probably when I looked at this team this year, Chad, and I'm looking back at 98 and I'm looking back at 2010, the defensive line is one spot I can look at and say, at least on paper, talent-wise, just unit-wise. They might not get as many sacks as you guys did. But just it seems like that might be a strength of the team this year because they have so many guys on that defensive line to run out there. You guys run a whole different type of defense than this defense, so really not comparable in that way. But I think this year, this team, probably the, one of the only spots I pointed to that I thought they might be, maybe end up being better talent-wise at least, that, yeah. is that defensive line front. Yeah, I agree. And, and, looking, only because, and only because the emphasis is on the defensive line because it is a 4-3 gap attack defense. And so he likes to rotate his D linemen in and out because he knows how exhausting it can be. 
So with Franklin Myers and Lawson on the edges, and then you've got Johnson, and then the new kid in the first round. So now you've got four guys that can rotate in and out at the end. And then on the inside, you've got, I mean, you've got enough guys that can come in and out and relieve each other. And if there's going to be some injury, which there always is, you've got eight to 10 guys on D line yep. that can, that are interchangeable and you can run them in and run them out. That will be their strength. Yeah. And that's yeah. what they're depending upon that to be the strength. They don't hide it. There's no hiding what they're doing. They're bringing four. They only need four and they're coming after you. And yeah. look, I like it. But what my our problem was always, well, what happens when the offense runs a deep runs an offense where it's quick throws and those D linemen never get a chance yeah. to get off and get into a rhythm. And so the reason why it's important that the Jets have stability at offense is so that they can play from ahead. Yeah. Because when you play from ahead, now the other offense has got a five step, seven step drop. They got to throw long. And that gives that D lineman a chance to get after it and put some pressure on. So yeah, just 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 looking at these metrics, the thing that steps that that pops to me showing the 2023 20, projection, this is based on stats that these players did last year yeah. projecting that out you can yeah. see that this team gets after the quarterback stronger yeah. on the from the defensive line position stronger than the than the 2010 or even yeah. the 98 team so yeah i would say you know just looking at this the linebackers i give it to the 98 team is the top and right now i think this defensive line really is one of the strengths of the 2020 yeah i agree with that that's what, that's yeah. a fair i think that's a fair assessment you know like that, that that 2010 line is very similar to our line in the sense of exactly. they were there to plug up holes. They were there to to gap and, and let the linebackers roam and let the linebackers make plays. Yep. But this, I would I would agree with you. This 23 line, I think, is pretty special. They've probably got two or even three really top guys on that line that are going to cause real problems yep. this year. And again. If that offense does what it's supposed to do, that should free up chances for the D line to pin their ears and get after it. Now, now I think this is this is Robert Sala's um, philosophy: get after the quarterback and have excellent to great coverage. And yeah. this is the question I have for you here before we get into all the stats from the secondary. You know, you played with Aaron Glenn, who was a Pro Bowl cornerback, Hawk, great. You saw this guy in practice. He's as quick as a hiccup. Let me I, tell you. I'm, I'm sure, and I grew up watching him, and I I love Alan Glenn. And then, as an analyst, you got to watch the entire Hall of Fame career of Darrell Revis. You saw yeah. him as a rookie all the way through, yeah. one of the greatest of all time. One year of Ahmad Sauce Gardner, one year. Talk to us. Tell us what we have. What's the potential? Is this kid as good as those those two that you know very well how how good can this kid be he he's got the tools to be one of the best he's not as good as Darrell Revis was he's not there yet he's yeah. got the he's but he's got the skill set to do it what's interesting is you know he's not as i i don't think he's as smooth yet as Darrell Revis was or even Aaron Glenn so Aaron was a smaller guy maybe mm. 510 and maybe 175 pounds, maybe, yep. on a wet day. 
but he was so <laughs> quick and so fluid, like running backwards and forwards to him was it was the same. And Darrell Revis was similar in the sense of his hips and his hit the way that he could stop and start was unlike I've ever seen before. Sauce is a little bit different because he's tall. He's six three and he's got long arms. So He's, he reminds me a little bit more Cromartie-ish and a little bit more Otis Smith. Otis Smith, let me tell you, he got so much done with putting his hands at the right place at the right time and knocking the ball away, very much like Sauce Gardner does. Sauce has got a really great feel for knowing when to get his hand in the receiver's uh, way. And along with that and along with learning how to transition a little bit smoother in his hips. He is going to, I mean, he's got a shot at being one of the truly great corners. Now I will say Aaron would go up, he'd stick his head in there on a running play and Darrell Rivas would stick his head there to running play. I like sauce. He'll, he's not afraid. Now yeah. I've seen a couple times where he kind of, <laughs> you know, he held up a little bit. I was like, yeah. oh, come on, throw your head in there. But in today's game, I understand. I understand. It's a it's a different game now. So, yeah. with with Sauce, you know, he's your one, he's your number one guy. And with DJ Reed, look, I, the guy, I like DJ. I think he's scrappy. He's yeah. on a little on the smaller side, which is fine. But he's scrappy and he he competes. And when you've got two guys like that that you can roll out there, that's a really nice secondary. Now, as far as you know, the uh, as as far as the safeties go, I don't know yet. I don't know this guy, Adrian Abel. I don't know him, and I saw a little bit of Jordan Whitehead. I like him, but I, I I need to see a little bit more at the safety position. So, if there's any concern that I would have, you know, if you force me to pick between those two and Victor Green. I'm taking Victor Green. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. That's where I was you know, going with this. I, I was going to ask you on that. And I'm if not, you're making me pick me from the other two, I'm probably taking Jim Leonard because he's a Wisconsin guy and he's probably <laughs> as smart as anybody. So uh, we got free safety. I'm putting Jim Leonard. A strong safety. I'm putting Victor Green. I is it crazy? Two- Chad, is it crazy for me? When I went through this, and I know that obviously Rebus is going to be in the Hall of Fame, one of the best corners of all time. And Cromartie yeah. was – Cromarty, I think I thought Cromarty no. was great, especially physically great. I think yeah, he would maybe a little. Hall of Fame. No, and he, he was he was a little to me slightly overrated, Cromarty. And it might sound nuts. I remember the Jets forever. Otis Smith is something. I'm so happy you mentioned him because he wasn't a rookie till he was like 26. That guy. A lot of people don't know. He started really late. He was 33 when he was playing with you, and he was only seven years in the league. And yeah. you had Ray Mickens and yeah. Victor Green. I mean, I had his one of my absolute. I mean, you played with him, so. I tell younger Jet fans, he had a year, he had 160 tackles, six interceptions. Victor Green is like, he's one of the best safeties we've ever had in the history of the Jets. And he's kind of gets lost in the mix sometimes. But when I look at him and Mittens and Aaron Glenn and Otis Smith as just a full unit across the board, I'm, I'm not just talking about the cornerback 10. That but might be all the of, best group. I think, it's, I think it's the best group. And I'm, I, I, don't, I, don't, I know Mike would probably think I'm crazy, but that to me is the best collective group. Because yeah. Jim Leonard's good, don't get me wrong. Um, I'll take Victor Green on the field over Jim Leonard. You know, not over playing Jeopardy, maybe I'd grab Jim Leonard. But Victor Green is, man, that guy was just, he was just something else on the field. Henderson was good too. But um, can you speak to how good he was? A lot of younger Jet fans might not know how great a player he was, how great a safety he was for the Jets. 
Yeah, he was, look, he was like a basically an eighth guy in the box in 95 and 96 when he had all those tackles. So basically, he was just cleaning up because we would all, at, at linebacker, we'd all fill holes. And then Victor's coming in, he's eight in the box, and he's just making, I mean, literally, he's making 10 tackles a game at safety for 16 games. He's got 160 tackles as a safety. That's bananas. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and he was covering tight ends, and he's, I mean, he was all over the place. And he had a long career, and he came out of Akron, of all yeah. places, right? And he was yeah. a little undersized. You know, he's probably 5'10", 5 5'11", 5 and, you know, 215 pounds. But he's built like a brick shit house, and he was as tough as nails. I mean, the guy barely got hurt. And so, to have a career like he did, was, and it was a real pleasure to have him on the field because you always knew you had a chance when he was back there. Yeah, I, I, I'll just say this. I agree with you. I think as a collective unit, I would say that the secondary overall for the 98 team was better. I mean, you could even see it in the interceptions, um, you know, and, and just interceptions, being yeah. second. They were incredible. But I will say this, the, the P, and I know PFF isn't everything. This is the coverage grade, the PFF coverage grade. And what uh -huh. Sauce and DJ yeah. did last year, yeah, and yards per reception. From, from, this is just straight up coverage. Yeah. They were actually more efficient than Durrell and Cromartie, which when yeah. I look at the numbers, that's pretty impressive. And Sauce is just a rookie. So I think from a – Yeah, and they had a shitty offense yeah. uh, last year on the team, so they're on the exactly. field more. It, 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 exactly. So so we'll see where where this, this unit ends up going. But now – They have a potential to be better. They have a yeah. potential to be better because they're going to be on the field less – they're going to be less stressed, and uh, it, it matters. When you have a good offense and you keep that defense on the sidelines and let them rest up, that matters over the course of 16 games. You watch. All right, everybody, that's all we got for you this week. I want to thank you all for joining us, and I hope you had a great time. Part two with Chad Cascadden will be next week where we talk about these offenses, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, offensive line, and the coaching staff. We talked Vinny Testaverde, Mark Sanchez, Aaron Rodgers, Keyshawn Johnson, Wayne Krabetz, Antonio Holmes, all the receiving cores from yesteryear, how all those guys stack up against the current roster. We asked Chad about Keyshawn Johnson's book, Throw Me the Damn Ball, how the locker room felt about that. That's a good conversation right there and of course we get into the coaching staffs like I mentioned that'll be a lot of fun this week I want to thank Chad for breaking down these defenses like he did getting into 1998 with the inside information talking 2010 gonna stack the 2023 team up against those two great rosters and two great teams Chad can't thank you enough in easy being green podcast available on Spotify iTunes YouTube everywhere you can get your podcast everybody watching right now on YouTube we appreciate it please like and subscribe tell all your friends if you're a Jet fan let them know about the podcast on behalf of the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris. On behalf of former Jet linebacker, Chad Kiskadden. My name's Keith Farrell. Good at you next week, everyone. Peace out. Gangrene the New York Jets. and their man. Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break. The great one. We're not talking about that for